Yo, Chuck, run a power move on him. something to you to give you a true knowledge of yourself and life so that the same glory and success attained by other men who understand themselves may be yours. Man in the full knowledge of himself is a superb and supreme creature of creation. When man becomes possessor of the knowledge of himself, he becomes master of his environment, the captain of his own ship, the director of his own destiny, the accomplisher of his own ends. We are the Brooklyn Combine. Um, this week we are at Esther Clark Hunter Junior High School, which is Mott Hall Bridges Academy. It's old Marcus. Old Marcus. And um, what we will do is we're going to pass this mic around. Let's, you know what, Let, let's do a quick roll call. Just say your name and pass the mic. I'm Phil. Jazz. I'm Jordan. Phil's guardian, Kenneth Montgomery. Asen. Jose. I'm Camille. Christine. Lucas. Donut Man. <laughs> Brooklyn. Tamara. Ben. All right, we got a we, we got a nice round table going on, and today's topic. Today's podcast is going to be on um, a topic that we've been kind of going back and forth with for the past few weeks. We've been doing a lesson on Daniel. I would love for you to explain to our listening audience. I want you to explain to them what have we been, um, what information have we been getting for the past couple of weeks? information we have been getting was about the Congo and King Leopold um, k- k- trying to scare the Congo so then he so then he could get his rub his rubber and if they don't bring it to him he he will kill them yep. as their punishment any other information you want to put in there what, what would he do to people when they didn't bring him enough I'm pretty sure I just said Brooklyn it. They, they would, he would kill. He would kill them. Okay, okay. Brooklyn, you want to add to that? If they didn't bring enough rubber for him, they would cut. He would cut off their body parts. Yeah, like hands and stuff. Um, in addition to this podcast, we will also include some sound bites from some interviews that we did last week. Um, you know what? I read an article. I read an article this week that was in a paper about in the Belgium parliament, one of the um, political leaders apologized this week for they were kidnapping. Back then, they also were kidnapping the kids. The kids who were born through white Belgians and white Belgian men would have children with the African Congolese women. And the um, children that they would produce would be be labeled. I think um, I think it was called Mitty, or I forget the name. But those kids would be bastards, and they would they would steal they would steal those kids, kidnap them, and send them away because they were uh, an embarrassment. And the Belgian people just this week said they're sorry, and they had a bunch of those descendants of those children in the parliament. What do y'all think of that? I don't know. That's a yeah, but but how would you? Is that okay? Is it is it fine now? Because they said sorry. They cut people's body parts off, and and if they didn't bring him rubber, it's permanent damage that he can't fix. So what's the point of saying sorry? I think that's that's a valid point. Um, Jazz, what what do you what do you thought? Um, I guess. Uh, People say sorry is more for them, not it's not for the victim, so they can get over it. Um, I don't really know what I would want the Belgian Parliament to do for stealing, stealing kids and then like having them sent to other families. I don't know how you how you properly repent for that, um, 
but I don't know. They said the apology is the first time that Belgium has recognized any responsibility for what historians say was the immense harm the country inflicted on the Central African nations, which it colonized for eight decades. Prime Minister Charles Michel offered the apology on Thursday afternoon in front of the plenary session of parliament, which was attended by dozens of people of mixed race in the, vision, in the visitor's gallery. I'll send you, I'll pass my phone around. That's him. You can see him apologize. What do y'all think about financial reparations? Um, I mean, that's always nice. <laughs> I, I mean, we supposed to receive financial reparation. We supposed to have been getting our money. So that probably never come into existence. I think sorry is a word of habit form. <laughs> so, you know, you just get used to saying sorry. Um, and it probably came about because someone found out they were a descendant of Leopold, who shut them out and now want to come out and speak on it. So now they want to speak on that situation, but I'm, I really don't know how or what you can do for things that has been done to us for centuries, but we always accept sorry as a okay thing to do. And we feel that that's a sincerity from people. I just, um, uh. But um, I think sorry is just a habit, yeah. a form of habit. I feel like um, when it comes to acknowledging it as a unified front as a country is a first step. Because if I think about it from a... Uh, United States effort and slavery and what they've done to black Americans, it's not even acknowledged. So making an acknowledgement is a first step. I don't think it is. It's not the last step. It's definitely not the last step, but it's a step into the next process. What that process is, I don't know. I think it'll take a collective effort to put the right steps in place for real um, healing for that country and for the people who were hurt. It also sends the signal that the behavior isn't good behavior. Not that that changes, mm -hmm. you know, for everyone, but at least in the, I would say, uh, the general public, they can think about it differently. And if there's a situation where the public has any leverage, then hopefully they start to use their leverage because now they think about the behavior in a different way, you know? Well, like, it's weird for me because it's, it's like, when you really break it down, an apology is like an act of humanity, I guess, mm -hmm. for something that was so inhumane, mm -hmm. you know, because, and it was done, what was done was done for the purpose of colonialism mm -hmm. and imperialism. Yeah. So this, this, we live in a society that was okay with the inhumanity. Mm -hmm. And now the apology doesn't wipe away the inhumanity. So what I'm, I'm cool with, yeah, you apologize. And it's, it's this European nature, uh, nation finally living up to its irresponsibility and its inhumanity. Mm -hmm. But what's the, from a financial, academic, mm -hmm. historical analysis, now what? Hopefully it continues the conversation. Yeah. I, I, do, you, do you honestly, I don't know. I feel also that, um, I don't think that they're, they should apologize. Mm -hmm. I also feel that there are people who were part of our system, like our own brothers and sisters, who should apologize for us letting them come in and selling us. Do you understand? So at some point, we got to realize we were the downfall to our own community. It's just like now today. You understand? There's some place you have to check your own brother and sister to say, hey, you're killing this community. And if you're not doing that, then you're the, you're the problem. You're the problem. It's, it was that reminds me. This is not the Congo, but I want y'all to look up. This is this is uh, African tribe. Um, 
called the Dahomies, mm-hmm. who at the time in the 1800s, um, again, West Africa, they had decided that, you know, we're not going to participate in the slave trade anymore. The king, I think his name was Genghis, he was like, what? Nah, this slave trade thing is working out for us. And he continued it. And it's a book by, is it Lorraine Hansberry? Last, it's a book about the last slave ship to America. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, um, uh, it was they, they spoke to one of the last living members of the ship in, in Alabama. And he talked about how this tribe were basically down with white supremacy and was raiding his village and chopping off people's heads. And whoever survived, they were selling them to the Europeans to come to America, even when uh, the, the transatlantic slave trade was, for the most part, outlawed. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for me, and I know this is getting off of the Congo, but I don't think most people realize, Americans realize, that when, um, when, uh, when the rest of the world said, you know what, we're going to fall back on this slavery thing, mm-hmm. they saw what was going on in Haiti, where, we right. were, where Haitians revolted. America was like, okay, you guys do that. We okay. We got this slavery thing. Mm-hmm. Because America was okay with the violence. And mm-hmm. that legacy is all connected. What, what Leopold did, right. um, what happened in America, what happened in Brazil, and all across the world when it comes to, to people like us of African descent, that was the plan yeah. to, to almost break our spirits and destroy us. Which they did. They helped. They, and then they helped. taught us how to destroy each other. Definitely. Yeah. And we continuously, yep. generational. You're right. We do it. Um, the, the other thing, too, for me is I feel like when we look at, you know, the timeline, you mm-hmm. think, wow, that was a long time ago. But, but, but it wasn't. Like, Leopold, okay. I, think, I think they probably were still... Um, like up to 1960, like the laws were in place and like they were still reaping all the benefits. Um, and to this day, we see the, you know, the impact uh, and the effects of like all of this, you know, systemic, brutal um, treatment of people, you know, slavery. Um, you know, there's so many things that kind of lead back to the brutality of this act and how it affects us, you know. Generations later, and it's and it's really sad, Mr. Daniel. I want to say something about what the Congo had got, the Congo did, but it didn't really happen. So, um, the Con- the Congo, the Congo thought that the money that King Leopold was getting from for the rubber was going to them. So then they started getting an education, started making money. But but the thing is, King Leopold, he he. But the money was actually going to him. But but I don't know why um, uh, King Leopold's. Uh, what were they? They were. His. Uh, his, his. His army. Yeah. His. Yeah, the people he worked with. I don't know why they. What? Why would they? Why would they not stop the Congo from doing all this? Because they might have been still alive. Hmm. So, yeah, so you're saying why didn't they fight back and to prevent King Leopold from doing all this harm? If you, if you were a store owner and you were paying people good money to take care of their family, and even though there's some wrong things going on in your store, right? Do you think people would say, you know what? Let's get the owner out of this store. No. They all get paid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're comfortable with their lifestyles. Yeah. That's what's going on right now. now. Even I mean, at the expense of other The Congo, people. it's still going on there now. It's not King Leopold, but it's corporations. Mm-hmm. All of these phones that we have. Mm-hmm. Was made out of the rubber. Well, it has but coltan in it. Coltan is a mineral that's mined in the Congo, and they have children younger than you in these mines right now. So the type of abuse that existed then still exists in the world. It's just whether or not we get to hear it, because they don't want us to hear certain things because it affects the business here in America. 
you know, so we got to be just as vigilant. Where are we time-wise? We got, uh, okay, we're about time to do our music break, Jazz. We're going to take a music break. <laughs> what? What are you, are you singing for us, Daniel? I was about to sing, but like. Do it, man. Let it, let's, let's go. Let's hear it. <laughs> All right. We had a little music solo from Daniel that was very uh, moving for us, for the group. Um, but no, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll, we'll come right back. We're back. We've lost our least important character in here, Kenny. Um, but we will continue our discussion on the Congo and King Leopold. Actually, what what could what what um what I'd like to segue um to is an exercise that we did um last week that involved um going into the community in Brownsville and asking members of the Brownsville community um a little bit about we gave them a small, you know, a brief history on King Leopold and, and his role in the Congo, and we asked them their opinion. Um, so we're going to hear some of that, and uh, and then we'll be back. This mock trial on King Leopold, and um, we just want to know your ideas or thoughts on on what we're doing this about. Well, so um, we're doing this trial on King Leopold and how he um enslaved people from the Congo. And he stole their rubber, and he um, sold it to people in um, the, in, um European in Europe, like um French and Belgium. And so we just want to know what your thoughts are on that. So, all right. So I'll get a, a little bit more specific. I don't. No, don't worry about that. You are though. I'm gonna tell you why. I'm gonna tell you why. Because how long you been living in Brownsville? Um. I've been in Brooklyn my whole life. Your whole life. I'm All right. 40 years old. Okay, so you're a youngster. I don't know who King Leopold is. That's right, but I guess what? I just learned something just right. now. This is why we're doing this, That's right? That's why I said that. Okay. So, <laughs> um, I don't know what else so, you want me to say. I'm, I'm glad that y'all learned something. It's a lot of people that enslaved 
black people, indigenous people from all over the world, and they still doing it today. I don't know how we gonna stop it, how we gonna change it, but maybe y'all kids got the answer for us. Because for so many years it's been going on and nobody made a change. Maybe one of y'all will. Do you see any forms of that kind of like oppression here? Of course, the, the way we live, how our country is structured is so that we can be oppressed. But as we're growing and economically, we're growing as a lot, at a lot slower pace than our counterparts, I want to say. Um, but yeah, eventually we're going to make a change. And a lot of being that they import in all of these other races, things are changing a lot quickly. That's what I feel. Thank you. Thank you for your time. So, Tell us your name and where we at. My name is Alicia Harry, and we on Picking a Rockaway, right? Yep. <laughs> How about that? All right. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you sweetheart. So what we were working on is we were working on this mock trial about King Leopold and how he went to the Congo and enslaved the people for their rubber. For their rubber. So we just want to we just want to see what your thoughts are, are on that. Yeah, so that he went to the Congo to enslave people for rubber. Yeah. Oh wow. What year was this around? Like the eight, the late eighteen hundreds and early nineteen hundreds. Mm-hmm. And and so, t- uh, tell me your name. Isis. Isis. Tell Isis, like, give her one example of what they would do if you didn't like they would go to the people and try to get them to bring the rubber to them, and if they didn't bring the rubber enough, it, then they would just cut your hands off or your legs off. Or they will kill somebody as part of your family. Oh, wow. Until you bring that amount. So, like, if so, let's say that you had the amount to bring nine kilograms of rubber and you brought like eight and a half, they would like cut off your aunt's legs. Yeah. And then you say, next time, bring such and such. And then if you don't, if you bring, if you, if you bring anything less than that, so it's gonna happen to a, a family member of your family, part of your family. All right, so tell us, what what you think Hello? about that? I feel it's terrible. I mean, why would you enslave somebody and cut off their hands and their feet just for rubber? I feel it's terrible. It's terrible, right? Do you see any any of that kind of being repeated here? Like maybe not, yeah, in, 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 the, in the States. In the U.S.? Like oppression and the way that maybe in neighborhoods like this? Like what? Like, I mean, there's a lot of human trafficking going on. People taking people for organs. Um, stuff like that. Stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Tell us your name one more time. Isis. Isis. And where and where, and uh, where are you from? Brooklyn. Brooklyn. All right. Thank you, Isis. <laughs> Thank Appreciate you. It. So, this is a mock trial that we're doing that involves King Leopold II, and we're trying to convict him of all the wrongdoing that he's done to the Congolese people, because at a point in time, he enslaved the Congolese. And he, um, he would make them taste, he would steal their rubber. And if they didn't bring enough rubber, they would, he would like sever off their hands or something like that. Mm. And say that you need to bring this such and such amount of rubber. Or if you don't, such, you're going to get another hand cut off or something so, like that. And around what time is this? This is like um, the, the late 1800s and like the early 1960s like, and things like that. It ended in like 1960 something. Right, so but yeah. If they didn't bring a certain amount of rubber, he would cut their hands off. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, a lot a lot of stuff like that went on in history when you're dealing with the European. Right. Now, I think that somebody that should be held, re- 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 I mean, no question about it, is King James. Now, King James wrote a Bible called the King James Bible, but he also was a wicked man. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of stuff in that Bible was transformed according to slavery. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day. So a lot of things were taken in this book. Put in the book, you know what I'm saying, to actually have the slave be obedient to the master. Like there was a paragraph, I think, I think it was in Matthew or Mark, where it says that um, obey your master. You know what I'm saying? But it wasn't talking about God, it was talking about the white man. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of things were switched and changed and put in that book on purpose. You know what I'm saying? Just to keep black people subservient to white people. You know what I'm saying? This is what we have to understand. We have what we call modern-day slavery going on now, but it's mentally. They took the chains off the physical aspect of the body and put the chains on the mind. You know what I'm saying? This is why they want most black young men in jail. 
You know what I'm saying? Not in the colleges, not in school, because it's an economic ploy for them to uh, have you in jail because they make money off you at the end of the day. So a lot of times, you know what I'm saying, y'all have to understand that, that these school systems are basically traps. And what they want you to do, they want to put you in special ed and then they want to medicate you. You know what I'm saying? Put you on, I mean, Ritalin and other kind of drugs like that, you know what I'm saying, so they can make money. Now, some parents are so wicked and so messed up within themselves, they actually put them kids on, on medications and sell them and, and sell them to the devil. Sell their souls, you know what I'm saying? So this is what's going on right now, you know what I'm saying? I did a, a lecture with Umar Johnson, who's a school psychologist. You know what I'm saying? I did a lecture with him in Brownsville, you know what I'm saying? You know, when he, matter of fact, when he first came out, now he's, he's big now. But he, was, he wasn't that big at that time. Me and him did an election again. I brought him out here to Brown to do an election. So I'm familiar with stuff like that. Baba. You know what I'm saying? All right. You know what I'm saying? That's Baba TV, man. Okay. Real famous. Dope. You know what I'm saying? Powerful. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I want to put you brothers on camera, man. What you got to say about that? You got anything to say? Well, for me, it's just that all the horrible things, like all the inhumane things that he's been doing, like not just him, but multiple other people to black people, like mostly black people, not saying that there aren't other races that have the same difficulties and situations, but it's mostly targeted to black people, in my opinion. And it's just like the inhumane things that, they're, that they would be doing to them, such as what he's been saying. Right. It's just not right to me. And I think, I think somebody. Some of us who are teenagers, some of us who are pre preteenies or tweenies or whatever, some young guys and, and girls who were actually engaging in the community. Because too often in our community, especially a place like the history of Brownsville, you know, people are afraid to talk to one another. Yeah. Um, because it's this air of violence or, or trauma that's throughout the community. And I think that's the only way we're going to make our young people want to come back and add on to the community so it pulsates instead of leaving so that somebody could come and buy a building and then gentrify it and we have no stake 
in a place that, that we we've put so much into. And I thought that was the most powerful thing about it, that we, we were really in the community. And I, I think it needs to be more of that, mm-hmm. you know? And the language that was given within mm-hmm. the community, yeah. how many no. I have an idea who this who man was. was. Mm-hmm. I feel really strongly about that, like that you said that. Um, I hate, I hate when when I I got friends or, or anybody who says, "Yo, I want to you know make money and get out the hood," and I'm just like, "Why? I I don't understand it. I I would I would make money, go back to the hood, buy a block of houses or or, or buy, buy a store, do anything. Like you know, a lot of people want to." They, they think it's greener on the other side, but it's, it, the grass is greener where you water it. If you water <laughs> your, your community, it's going to be a lot better. Like, I, I don't want to live around white people. <laughs> and, and they don't want you. Yeah. We yeah. to know that they don't really want us. Where are you from? What name I'm, I'm from Baltimore City. I'm, I'm from the west side of Baltimore. What's um, the west side? Uh, Pennsylvania Avenue, Sandtown, okay. North Avenue. Carmelo. Carmelo. <laughs> <laughs> You said they fixing it up? Mm-hmm. I mean, when I go home, what I see, I mean, my grandmother, she still live on this, this block, but all the houses on one side are gone, completely mm-hmm. tore down. They were vacant at a point in time. Is still on oh, the very prevalent. The street, very prevalent. Baltimore yeah. Uh, I, I, well, I know the term crackheads is horrible, but um, it's, it's a lot of drug addicts. It's a lot of drugs. It's a lot of poverty. It's, it's, it's a lot of pain. At the end of the day, in in the community, and I, I go back and I see it, um, it hasn't changed. It's just getting worse. Um, so that the the rioting that 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 happened. Oh yeah. Freddie, uh, from has, Freddie Gray, yeah. Yeah, the the, the solutions or, or having a. Uh, they rebuilt the right head that they burned down, but uh, <laughs> corporation. Yeah, but the the black female prosecutor having a presence there is is that helping in any regard? Um, I like the fact that she was there, but I don't think that they, um, I don't think it helped much. Mm. I don't think it helped much. I mean, I guess she's a symbol mm-hmm. at the end of the day. There was no type of, um, restorative type. The community members, they, they fixed some houses. They, they, they kind of like went into the streets and everything like that, which I completely respect. Um, I, I love the fact that like, you know what I mean? Uh, like, I used to, my birthday is like April 23rd. It's around like Earth Day or something like that. So my mom would make me go in the streets and clean with my community, like clean up alleys and stuff like that. I hated it as a kid, but I really, that's something you understood that, it. yeah, wow. yeah. And it's, it's just like, you know, if you, if you look, if you're waiting for anyone else to come and clean your neighborhood up, you're you going to be waiting forever. You're wasting your time. So, yeah. Um, but but I will I will say that I, I completely understand what you were saying about moving out of the neighborhood and like I don't, I don't get that. But at the same time, I do because you know what you just described isn't really a desirable place, right? But I think you know I think if there's a healthy exchange, a healthy understanding of like yo, you know what, this is what's happening, you know, but. As young people, especially the young people that are in here now, Brooklyn, Daniel, Lucas, like Ben, like, you know, you guys are young and you're at a position where you can start to think about, hmm, if I were to come up with a solution, maybe if um, if I could figure out how to get ownership in this building or, you know, obviously you're young, you, you're not going to, no, you're not going to be right, but you're not going to be young forever. And you could talk to your mom, though. Your mom can give you some ideas about, you know, how do you actually plant a seed so that you can stay here and you can make it livable. And then even, you know, beyond that, you can make it like a great place to live. Um, so I think that, you know, I think you're right on point, but we got to figure out ways to to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. I know um, growing up, it was interesting, especially in this neighborhood. In the time that I grew up, I think I'm probably next to Asin, older than everybody in here. Um, I think you're the oldest. Next to Asin. <laughs> <laughs> older than Asin. You were two years younger than me, guy. But <laughs> growing up, I remember, like, you guys didn't see it. Um, the young people, y'all didn't see it yet, but all these are built, like, every other building was abandoned. Mm-hmm. 
or it was a vacant lot. Like, it was nothing there. Um, and growing up, on one side, we played in them. Like, we, we played in abandoned buildings and, and locks and rock fights. And, yeah, I used to throw rocks at the windows yeah, like, just to break them. Break the window. Like, we, we had to grow up around that. But I, no, it was a, our playground, but I do remember at times trying to find a different route to walk because after a time, after time, seeing that a lot, it kind of made me depressed a little bit. Like I, I didn't understand why our neighborhoods look like that. And then when I go home and turn on the television, it's these other places that's all nice. Or when I go venture out with my family to the city somewhere, and I'm like, yo, I so it had an effect on my spirit, I think, um, just how it looked. And, um, you know, I think at some point we have to take control of our community. I Look, I went to a party last night where it was all these politicians, many of them that I know. And I think we forget how our land and where we live is somebody always want to come there. Like, it's always, you know, somebody else always want to do something with the neighborhood you live in. Mm-hmm. In your school, in your building. And, and I think... Yes. And I, and I think we have to... The young people, you guys are really important because all the change that's ever happened, at least in America concerning black people, it was people around your age, a little bit older, who were the reason people were doing it. And it was people maybe four or five years older than you, Brooklyn, who was like, yeah, we ain't having this no more. Yeah. I also believe that at a young age, you have to start teaching your to your home. I constantly tell her, like, um, you know, you must own your own. I know that it's a lot, mm-hmm. but I do believe just trying to get it in her head you must try to own your own. You must try. You know, you have to figure out a way. You, you may not have abundance of money, but there's always a way to make it through and get in and have it. But think about ownership before you think about working for someone. You know, I do believe that you have to teach them young. I think we got to think about, like, the cost of owning a business. Really, only takes two hundred dollars to get an LLC. You know what I'm saying? If you call the state, they'll mm-hmm. tell you where to do it online. Two hundred dollars. Tax ID is free. Mm-hmm. So when you think about like sneakers and stuff that that we consume, it's it's fairly cheap. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To own a business and how this system is set up is more beneficial for a business owner than a regular civilian. Mm-hmm. There's more tax cuts. There's more benefits for you to be an owner than to be, you know, just a regular civilian. And, and, I, and I think a lot of the thing with the ownership, though, is we got to preach ideology. Because this is where I get stuck sometimes. Yo, America has always had black people with ownership. But they were mimicking and aping white people and what white people do. We have to have a certain set of codes and ideology behind our ownership and what we trying to do. And I think if we get back to that, you know, because there was a time and day where that did exist. But what happened? Weeksville, Little Haiti, uh, Black Wall Street. It was so many different black communities. Yeah, you do? We were teaching our own children. We're not teaching our own children. And that's what our biggest fault is. We don't teach our young, beautiful children. Have you got the bumps in Weeksville? Yeah, definitely. Brooklyn, um, tell me about Black Wall Street. Well, the things that I know, Black Wall Street was like, I guess it was like kind of like a community of black people. And when they were buying each other, their money grew. And I guess the white people got, the white people got jealous and they didn't want them to grow because if they grew, they wouldn't work for them and they wanted that. So they burned it down, yeah. which was kind of disappointing. Yeah. Was it, is there anything you think, say, say like we, we, we're doing things to better us, ourselves as individuals, as a community. What could we do to protect what we build so that people can't do that if they wanted to? What do you think? 
I don't know. Maybe because really, the every time when you walk, some person's gonna say, "Oh, they wear their pants sagging and stuff." So I guess the first thing is to. I can't say look presentable, but like. Be. I don't know how to put it in words, but I got it. Be like more presentable, like pull up your pants or something. Yeah, because that's what my mom always says. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I tell her presentations mean it means a lot. It's very important. People want to deal with people who look like they respect themselves. You know, if you you don't you know your business is about you respecting yourself your growth comes within how you present it mm-hmm. no one want to come into something that's you know, shabby it's, and it's desolate because we were in um, the metropolitan museum of art moa last night because mm-hmm. one of our one of our brothers had uh something going on there where they they invited him for his magazine high side and we were had access to the library and what's curious is to, to for me is that we don't see a lot of imagery, truthful imagery of what black people were about. And it was these books that had, it was like the 1920s, 30s in Harlem. Yo, everybody had on the suit. Mm-hmm. Everybody like, and it was funny, like you looked in these people's eyes mm-hmm. and they still had hope and promise. Yeah. They were making their own suits. Yeah. They were going their own butchers. Yeah. But, but then, when I started going through a couple of the books, you start getting to like the 50s and the 60s, you start seeing the hope and promise wearing and tearing. You start seeing the infiltration of drugs. You start seeing the lost hope and promise of us not giving the resource, getting the resources to build our community and it's falling apart. Not that we weren't getting them, because that is, that almost implies like somebody had to give them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were taking, taking them, taking them, absolutely. Were yeah, and you're not right. allow, allowing us to have what we. So it's it's funny when you start studying the American historical visual history and what's going on, and you see the wear and tear. To now, you get to the look. The '80s, we were playing in abandoned buildings in the '70s yeah. and the '80s. Yeah. In the '90s. We got hooked on crack and after heroin, but then this entertainment thing is really popping. And then in the 2000s, it's like we have all this pretty stuff around, but when you undress the pretty stuff, it's a lot of damage. So it's like we got a lot of damage to, to acknowledge and then clean up. Yeah. But we don't have an educational system. But it's all what you said. We don't, we don't, we, our education system has to exist above and beyond American curriculum. Yeah, and that's where it comes to us as we have to become one mm-hmm. and understand each one. Teacher, remember they used to have the saying it takes a community? Yeah. You understand? You know, and, and now it's all about don't don't leave my child. I don't want that. No, your child learned from different people. You know? That's the educational system. Exactly. Yeah, my, in my, in my hood, my hood growing up, everybody was able to beat you. Yes. <laughs> and not that that's right, but like, did it. Yeah, the but, threat of that. Right. They knew your mama. Like, oh, I'm going to tell you, like, oh, I hate this. No, my mom was one of them moms. I had problems with, I had to get in trouble and fight a lot because my mother was strong arming other people's kids. <laughs> So when I came outside, it was calling, yeah, yeah, yeah. They calling my mom names, cursing her out, V word. Yeah, Miss Barbara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, I, nah, I, I love that same life, man. My mom, she used to hate when kids walked across the grass, and she used to say something about it. She used to hate when they sitting at the steps, at the bottom of the steps. Like, and I'm like, yo, I got to be tough every, t- every day when I come outside. I got to fight. Nah, it's just, it's, it's never ending. Like, it's always issues with these kids. All right, um, real quick, we're going to stop for another break, and uh, we'll come back. The Republic of Congo has been proclaimed, and our country is now in the hands of its own children. Together, my brothers and sisters, we are going to begin a new struggle, a sublime struggle, 
which will lead our country to peace, prosperity and greatness. Together we are going to establish social justice and make sure everyone has just remuneration for his labor. We are going to show the world what the black man can do when he works in freedom and we are going to make up the Congo the center of the sun's radiance for all of Africa. These were the words of Patrice Lumumba on the day that his country won its independence from Belgium, its colonial master for more than 70 years. These words invoke a feeling of pride, determination and most of all hope. This was a man who had a passion for his country. This was a man devoted to his people. He saw the departure of the Belgians from the Congo as a perfect opportunity for the people of the Congo to show the rest of the world that they could build a strong country. What drove this man? What values did he hold dear? What was his life like? What inspired such a deep sense of love and dedication to his country? What circumstances around his death? Why did he die so young and so soon? These are some of the questions that comes to mind when we read the story of Lumumba. This documentary looks at the short life of Patrice Lumumba and his great achievements. It looks at his ideas, his dreams for the Congo, his love and determination to see a united country, and his legacy after his death. It follows his passion for Africa and his ideas that continues to drive and inspire African youth and leaders alike. All right, so, so we, 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 we're back and we're talking to the young people at the table. We're going to start with Brooklyn because Brooklyn's closest to me. What is your favorite? Two questions. What is your favorite show, if you have one? And number two, what, is, what do you do the moment you're done with like your homework or whatever? What's the first thing you do? And don't give us the, don't give us the cool thing. Wait. Yeah. Regular TV or Netflix? Like, which one? Anything either. I don't watch regular TV because to me, all those, all the, like, if I turn the channel, it's like the same TV show, so it gets boring. But unlike Netflix, there's like new stuff going on, so it really catches my interest. Uh, The show that I watch, my favorite show on, on like TV is like, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> and um, living in single, like that oh, show with Queen of Single, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. And Netflix. I don't really have one. Okay. Now, if you, you finish your homework, you got home from school, yeah. whatever, what's the first thing you do? Tell the truth. When I'm done with my homework, I talk to my friend and then I just listen to music. Okay. What kind of music? Different kinds. Favorite artist? Quick. Her. 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 Cool. All right. Daniel? Oh. Favorite show? You don't like carrots, huh? I I do. (laughs) Favorite show and first thing you do when you have a free moment? Okay. My favorite show is called Total Drama Rama. It is a nice cartoon and I... Second, my, what do I, what do I do when I, when I, when I'm done with my homework, huh? Mm. Correct. <laughs> One play video games, and only sometimes, I might sometimes watch YouTube and listen to music. So, what kind of music? <laughs> any music, any music as long as it's not old school. Now, what's, what's old? 2016? Like, what's... 1999 and below. Oh, man. No, but listen, Daniel. What, what, what's your first... What's your go-to? Like, you go to YouTube, what's the first thing you go to? Gaming? I'd rather go to gaming or a music video. Memes. 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 All right. Lucas. Uh, my favorite show on... On Netflix is called 
It's, it's called Robozuna and and Robozuna. I don't. And and uh, what what I do when I first get home is play video. When I first get home and I'm done with my homework is play video games. Um, my favorite show is Chilling Adventures of Sabrina Spellman on Netflix. Um, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina Spellman. Um, it's like about this witch or something. Yeah, yeah. They made like a new season. And then, yeah. And now I just finished on my block. Oh yeah, I don't even know if they're, they're friends. It's like funny, but then serious at the same time. Okay. It's a drama. So I watched that. That's basically what I do in my downtime. But yeah. After homework, after, after homework, what do you do? First thing you do. Bathe <laughs> and eat. When you're done, when you're done with that. Mm, either I FaceTime my friend. It depends on the day. Yeah, she's my best friend. Huh? Social media? Well, I... Yeah, I don't have my phone. I gave my phone in. I turned my phone to my school. Because in the beginning of the school year, like my grades were like iffy. And my teacher asked me like what's distracting me. And... I chose to give up my phone because that was the best decision for me. So, and now I'm improving on my writing skills, my math, and ELA in general. So, yeah. That's really good. So, hi, I'm Imani. Hi. Um, I don't really watch TV or Netflix or anything, so I like to listen to music a lot. So, I, um, right now, hmm. I would say Georgia Smith. She's like a singer. Oh, yeah. I like her a lot. Um, uh, what do I? Hmm. I think like something I do at home in my free time. I like braid hair. I do hair a lot. I color hair and okay. stuff. So, yeah. You're very cool here. Yeah. Thank right. you. You did that yourself. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think you can. I think we show like what do you do? Yeah, come home from work. Yeah. Oh, okay. We started with the kids. Are you gonna ask? So my favorite show is OA. I am waiting for the third season. It is OA. Yes, it's on Netflix. I watched, I binged season one because I was not up on it at the time. And then season two just finished. So I'm waiting for season three. So when I get home or when I'm ready to, um, my day is pretty much over and how I tend to relax and come down. Um, I don't really watch TV. Yeah, sci-fi. It's really good. Um, I don't know. What do I do? I don't, I don't really watch TV except for OA when I get a chance. Um, I listen to music. I listen to music. I like her as well. Um, and then I like to listen to inspirational gospel. So I'll do that because that'll help me in my routine It'll help me to get a little bit more juice again to start my routine to get the kids ready for the next day. So that's what I do. Yeah, um, I'm basically, when I, when I get home, I'm following up on calls and networking. Um, afterwards, I would say YouTube, you know, winding down. I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I don't watch too much TV. Small, small, small networking, you know. Um, I have like a long day, crazy schedule. So usually when I get in, um, I just make my lunch and stuff for the next day. <laughs> Dinner. <laughs> I might work on something on my phone, like some music or something. Then I go to bed. <laughs> and that's that. <laughs> feel like a hamster. No, I'm <laughs> Um, what's good, y'all? Um, 
What is it? I, I like, I like, I'm not gonna lie, I like a lot of violent shows and okay. <laughs> violence and, and horror. Um, so, um, I, I guess How to Get Away with Murder, um, American Horror Story, Gotham, um, Peyton Fall is like my favorite movie. American Gangsters is one of my favorite movies, so I watch those over. Um, damn, what else? Um, I listen to music when I get get home from work. I eat the I'm on the phone with a, with a, with a honey. Um, <laughs> Jay in the building. Yeah, I'm on the phone with a honey, or I'm, I'm cooking, drinking wine. You have your legs crossed, and you like. Yeah, nah, nah, nah. nah. <laughs> I be mean, I just got the AirPods in. I'm I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff around the crib. <laughs> With my feet on the wall, right? <laughs> but yeah, that's that's normally what I do. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, music, music, music is very big in my life. I'm always listening to music. So, yeah. Um, for the past two months, when I get home from work, I work out. Then I take a shower, I do my facial, I brush my hair for two hours. He's glowing, he's glowing. <laughs> and I play music that whole time, because that's really the only time I get to listen to music without a distraction, because at work, somebody's always like, jazz, somebody's pulling me out of it, and I'm like, I have these heads on, so you can't talk to me, but that's my time to like really just sit and I'm just working on myself, I think about the day, and then show, I've been watching um, Love, Death, and Robots, it's really good. Did you say you brush your hair for two hours? Yeah. That's why. You're joking, all right? Nah. I'm sitting there. But I'm thinking, I'm I'm being aware and like, it's like. It's like a meditation. Yeah, it's like meditation, but I'm also getting some summer ready for the honeys. (laughs) Sorry, Sam. (laughs) Um, But yeah, oh, yeah, the show is Love, Death, and Robots. And it's like, it's like Black Mirror. Each episode, there's no relation to one another. But it's uh it's all animation and it's small like vignettes. It's really good. Well, I don't really have a favorite TV show, but when I go when I finish my homework, I usually go on the computer or either, either and either play a game or go on YouTube and watch something. Okay. What's the first thing you watch? Well, something that interests me, like a game and video and something like that. All right. Anything else you want to add? No, that's it. All right. Big Ben. Daniel. I would like to ask a question about tr- about life. Okay. Oh. <laughs> the game of life. Or, or the game of life. Or, or. It's, it's a theory that um, some people might believe in. I'm just going to ask anybody here. Are you going to talk about the world? Well, you know what but, um, some people say the world is flat, and others I would like to ask if there's anybody who believes in the Big Bang Theory. I really hate it. Why do you hate the Big Bang Theory? Because it's talking about science making the world, and we just have just appeared inside on Earth. We just Poof, hi, we're here. Well, that's, that's, not, that's, not, that's, that's not, not really it says. <laughs> That's not. That's kind of the, the opposite is what comes with But it actually says how we were actually made. Mm-hmm. But I, I literally, I actually forgot how, how. Okay, can I, can I answer? Yeah. I, I forgot because uh, I had to do a homework on what the Big Bang Theory was. Okay. Um, so, it's a theory, so it's not, it's not a, it's not a fact, like, it's not, it hasn't been proven all the way, it's just somebody's thought on, or hypothesis on how the world started, and I think you should keep asking how the world started, and keep going, and until it's figured out, and then, even if you do figure it out, keep challenging, challenging that. Oh, well, that was the next thing I was going to say. Nobody really knows, so if anybody's ever saying, like, they know, then... No! <laughs> so, Daniel, how did the world start? Well, how did the universe start? Really? The universe started um, because 
God came, and then He made this earth, and then He made two people named Adam and Eve out of dirt. Then boom. Out of dirt. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, my so, question is, how do, how do you know Earth was the first planet to be created? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? Why you tell it. Because. That's a, that's a good question. That's a great question. Wait, the universe was the universe was made, so that means all the planets, all the planets might have been made. And then, well, okay, so all the planets were made, and then God has to finish one more planet, and it was Earth. Boom, create the Earth. It was kind of hard to make, but then he made Adam and Eve out of dirt, and then they helped. They helped. Okay. Yes, they did. Both Adam, and Where Eve both. Adam and Eve both broke God. Adam and Eve both broke God's rule. They told him not to eat all the that. The Bible. But <laughs> but so Adam and Eve what about dinosaurs? Was it... A meteor crashed into them and... and dinosaurs? Yeah, a meteor crashed the dinosaurs? into the earth? After like... I don't know how many years dinosaurs were created. Boom. After Adam and Eve? No, wait. There was some sort of... Did I cheer? You're going to make sure he studies apologetics. <laughs> right now... He's just giving us a general. But Adam and Eve. But Adam and Eve. But Daniel, I think you should keep going. Yeah. Wait, mom. Wait, one time, mom told me something about what? Um, what school is it that's trying to trick you into believing the Big Three? What was, what was the school name? A what, school? Like high school or was it middle school? What was your question? I can't remember. Oh, sorry. Okay. So, what did I say? One time you said. Mm-hmm. One time you said um, that some some schools might be ha- trying to trick you. I t- yes. Oh the yes. I t- well, it wasn't that word I used. You believe in the Bible that God is. I God that is what I believe. It, that but, is. <laughs> but the school tells you. I was. That uh, but, uh, let me. I will clarify. I will clarify what I was saying to you. <laughs> I was telling Daniel that when he reaches higher education or in different schools, they will challenge what he believes, and he needs to firmly understand why he believes what he believes. Mm -hmm. And I didn't use the word trick, but they will tell you the different theories and the different facts that they have to challenge what you believe, and you will have to be assertive and confident in what you know to be true and factual to those same assumptions. Because it happens in that classroom. It's like a whole debate. Because that will happen to you. But you should challenge it back, is what I was telling Daniel. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. That, that was a good note to end Thank on. you. Um. All right, so will you end our podcast for us? Can you, t- can you share our... Um, this has been a great time. Hello. Okay, goodbye podcast. Akomba loko la kufela demoto Namona mama ogo, namona tata ogo, sereka Pongona yo e buje po ya muve monaka Masimisi ogo, sheri Omona kanga loko la tampe Pasina mote mate ogo Na eba kikala eko sukela yobo ye Mosina gaya kala kanisanga mingi telelo yogo 
Ya mo na ka 